Hey guys, welcome back to episode 38. Uh, this episode I'm going to talk about some functional medicine stuff. Um, again, hopefully maybe like the last episode, keep it short enough. The last episode I think it was only just over half an hour. So what I'm going to discuss mainly is the training I went through on the functional diagnostic uh, course, which is an online course um, originally founded by Reed Davis. Excellent course. I really would recommend it to anyone looking to get into functional medicine. So what I'm going to discuss really just is the four flagship tests that they uh, really emphasize in the functional diagnostic nutrition and why you might want to use them. So I suppose uh, maybe just give a bit of background into what functional medicine is. Um, I suppose if you were to compare it to conventional medicine, conventional medicine essentially just treats symptoms. It doesn't get to the root cause, whereas functional medicine tries to get to the root cause of someone's symptoms and ill health. That would be essentially it in a nutshell. Um, the reason why I got into functional medicine, I suppose, is because you just I was training people and you realize that you know it's just exercise and nutritional advice just wasn't enough that there was definitely deeper issues going on and even currently now even just thinking about it you know functional medicine what, what it definitely is another massive tool in the toolbox there's uh, it's still another massive tool in the toolbox there's still a load of other factors that that need to uh that need to also fit into the picture of getting someone to tame their their optimal uh, state of health and well-being and just as Eddie Holtz would say making them the, the strongest version of themselves uh, so definitely other things just even like trying to really understand why a person is the way they are and just certain things like that and, and understanding that empathy is very important to have towards nearly every person because again everyone is kind of a victim of their culture to a certain degree so there are other things to think about but anyway we'll stick to the topic in this functional medicine so with with the functional diagnostic nutrition course which, which i highly highly do recommend um again for anyone looking to get into functional medicine i think it's a fantastic uh, first course it's definitely not uh, a, 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 like an absolute comprehensive complete functional medicine course by any means but it is an excellent excellent course reed and his staff completely over deliver on the price that you pay for it i like when i only signed up for it i think it was only 800 euro at the time it was just under thousand dollars and like i couldn't believe the the quality of product that came with it. and i'm not just saying i'm like i'll put a link to fdn i have no affiliation to it currently uh um definitely now maybe reed might look for me to be an affiliate but i'm not an affiliate to it now at this moment in time um and i don't recommend things too lightly but i highly highly do recommend fdn to anyone who's very interested in in uh, getting into functional medicine so the the four flagship tests that, that they go, that they go with are a uh, they use biohealth uh, diagnostics as their main laboratory. Now there's many different labs you can use once you become licensed, and you can also kind of uh, if you link up with a doctor, whether it's an MD or a DO or maybe uh, probably a chiropractor, someone who who can sign off on some other tests, particularly uh, blood tests. Generally, with things like um, blood blood and stool tests, you need a doctor to, to sign off on it or some sort of doctor uh, agree. Um, what is the thing that we have in FDN called? Uh, I'll find out now in a second. Just let me pause this and I'll come back. Medical Director Program. That's what I'm trying to think of. Me Medical Director Program is what we have in FDN. That's essentially when you want to, someone who's not an, an actual licensed physician, if they want to order a stool or, or a blood sample, they, they need to have a medical director. Uh, agreement with some doctor to do that for them so just for stool and blood you, you need that but generally for anything like saliva or urine you, you can generally order those once you have some sort of um, formal qualification within functional medicines and you can use a few other labs like metametrics and uh, whatever 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 other ones that people are aware of but biohealth is the main one that FDN use and the four flagship tests that they use would be a 205 adrenal stress profile 
which looks at um, seven hormones, but it gives you 11 total hormone readings because it looks at four different cortisol readings. So I'll get into that test now once I go through the other three tests. The other test then is a 101 uh, metabolic assessment test, essentially looking at your protein metabolism, oxidative stress, and how your liver is functioning. So liver uh, toxicity, looking at liver toxicity issues. Um, then it also looks at a 304 intestinal uh, mucosal, intestinal mucosal, intestinal mucosal barrier test, really looking to see if you have uh, any leaky gut going on and what the story is with the balance between good and bad bacteria in your gut and if you have any yeast infections and how your secretory IgA is doing. And then the 410H uh, is, a, is a pathogen screen looking at do you have any bacterial uh, parasite, bacterial, fungal or yeast infections going on um inside your body so they are the four main tests that they look at there are more tests that they do but they be their four flagship tests if you like so just going back to the 205 205 again i said looks at seven total hormones it looks at cortisol dhga and it looks at a cortisol dhga ratio it also looks at two estrogens es estradiol and estrol it looks at progesterone testosterone and melatonin as i said though it gives 11 hormone readings because it measures cortisol um four times so Two episodes ago, I spoke about the importance of circadian rhythms with regards to health, and essentially that's what we're doing with the uh, with the two hundred five here with regards to cortisol and DHEA, particularly cortisol. We're mapping out cortisol four times during the day, so essentially it'll spit into a tube in the morning, in the uh, early to mid afternoon, in the evening, and at night time. And basically, we're having a look at a snapshot of your circadian rhythm, and really, you know, you should have your highest cortisol in the morning, and it it should start to uh, it's, it should start to decline as the day goes on. Um, and what we're really looking for to see if there's any like uh, if there's any like low points with your cortisol, if there's any high points with your cortisol when it shouldn't be low, when it shouldn't be high, and just generally looking at your overall. You, you so we're looking at your overall totals. Excuse me, I'm mumbling here. We're looking at your total, your overall total cortisol output for the day, and also looking at, uh, at what times of the day are you producing cortisol in its most amount and its least amount, and also correlating that with your symptoms and whatnot. Generally, you want to produce the most cortisol in the day, and, and it should just decline then from morning to afternoon. It should decline even more from afternoon to evening, and it should decline the most from, well, not even the most, but more again from evening to nighttime. Um, and we can we can start to see certain patterns within your uh, cortisol um, uh, cortisol rhythm over the day, and they may also correlate very much so to your symptoms, which you do most of the time. Uh, so, for instance, uh, another thing too is th there are lab ranges for, for for cortisol, but the thing that you'll learn when you do functional med medicine is that you you sh you can't just look at a sheet and just match up the results to lab uh, reference ranges and go, oh, this person is normal because all their scores may be in a lab reference re reference range. You have to correlate the results to the person's symptoms. So, for instance, if you have someone who's under a lot of stress. You know whether that be just you know they're just they just come to you and say oh I just you know I'm under so much stress at work I have a project I'm not sleeping much just I have a lot of stress going on in my life we would actually want to see this person hopefully in what is termed phase one adrenal dysfunction or sometimes stage one ad adrenal fatigue um, this is when the uh, adrenals are really cranking out a lot of cortisol um, and stress hormones to help the body adapt to all of this uh, stress that the body's under. That's a healthy response. Now, if that stays prolonged and becomes chronic, then that can be a big issue. That's when the person starts to slide into like phase two, phase three adrenal dysfunction, and that's when they start. That's when they start actually getting the symptoms that they usually present with. But 
more often than not, if someone is saying, oh, I have a lot of stress, we actually would want to see them in, a, in, in sort of phase one adrenal dysfunction because that is saying, all right, the body's healthy enough to actually adapt to the stress and produce enough stress hormones to adapt to the stress. Um, so if you're seeing someone whose cortisol is, is in the norm of the lab reference ranges, but they're saying, oh, I'm under loads of stress, then you start thinking, oh, they're under a lot of stress, but their, their, their cortisol is actually in normal range. This may be telling me that, that they're actually starting to fatigue. You know, the HPA axis is starting to fatigue. So that's, that's something you have to keep in mind. All, you're always correlating the test results to the patient, what they're presenting, their symptoms. You're not just uh, looking at the, the results, comparing them to a lab reference range and deciding whether the person is okay and not okay. Um, so with the, with the four readings, uh, generally, you know, cortisol, you usually produce the most amount in the morning. Um, if you see a big dip then in the evening or something funky, sorry, sorry, a big dip in the early afternoon and evening readings, so the two readings after the morning one, so the second and third uh, uh, samples of saliva, you uh, if you see a big dip where, where they dip down a lot or they fluctuate up or one goes down and one goes up, you just see something funky going on there. Generally, that's something to do with a, a food sensitivity, a food intolerance, or something to do with the environment, some environmental toxicity, or, or it's definitely some sort of environmental influence, whether it be food or an actual uh, chemical product or something you're definitely reacting to something generally it's it's a food sensitivity or uh, and, and you're getting some sort of a issue with regards to, to stress response and blood sugar issues and whatnot but generally they correlate that to some sort of food sensitivity or intolerance or some sort of chemical intolerance uh, if we see a big big elevation in cortisol at night time this is usually indicative of some sort of infection in the gut definitely something stressing at the body we always want cortisol to be low at night time so melatonin can conversely elevate at night time we want melatonin to be high at night and cortisol to be low at night to help us go to sleep and of course melatonin is so important then with regards to its antioxidant benefits and it's also so potent with regards to its uh, um, uh, immune uh, it's just it's a very very important part of our immune system so it's critical that we're getting our melatonin um, boost at night time and that cortisol is not elevated um, now cortisol can be elevated for a number of reasons you could be exercising late at night which I wouldn't advise you could be exercising under bright lights which I don't advise like a lot of Gaelic uh, GA teams do in the winter which is why I really detest training very very late at night under bright lights it's, that's an absolute disaster with regards to your cortisol and melatonin and just your hormones in general um, but we want cortisol to be low at night and melatonin to be high so if we're seeing things like very elevated cortisol um at night time where there's definitely some stress out the body and usually it could be some sort of infection going on in the gut and if we also see melatonin low as well in our 205 um, test that would also indicate that something's going on usually with the gut so uh, we also want to look at that cortisol to DHDA ratio very important cortisol as we know is catabolic DHDA is an anabolic hormone so again we want to make sure that that's in a decent enough ratio with the FDM biohealth lab test they generally want a 5 to 6 to 1 ratio now you also need to correlate the cortisol the four readings and also the DHDA for instance you could get someone who's got a very fatigued you could get someone who's very fatigued and can't produce a lot of uh, Cortisol generally there your phase three or stage three uh, adrenal dysfunction adrenal fatigue patients and this may be a female and she may have some elevated androgens so her DHEA may look elevated so then her actual ratio may come out not as as bad she may come out like near to that sort of normal ratio of five six to one and uh, if you just looked at that going oh you're actually okay but she's really not it's because she's not producing a lot of cortisol and actually her DHEA is elevated making it look like the ratio is okay so again you have to look at the whole picture with regards to these tests but again uh, we uh, 
I've got these guys putting these water meters outside the house. They're just dumping like concrete out the front. <laughs> anyway, uh, again, so that that ratio is very very important. And again, we got to take the whole picture in with regards to all the test results. So generally, the ratio we want is about five to six to one, uh, five to six to one ratio. Um, and that DHEA, you know, the lab reference range on that biohealth is usually two to ten, and we kind of want it in that mid range out of five to six again. Um, but again, you have to correlate these things to the actual patient. Yeah, what I've seen a lot with female clients lately is, you know, this sort of uh, PCOS uh, type syndromes. You know, they have high androgens, they have irregular menstrual cycles, um, and a lot of them have insulin resistance issues. So you're going to see those types of females are going to have high levels of DHEA mm -hmm. and testosterone and maybe even some estrogens and estradiols. So the next hormones that are there are the uh, estrogens. Uh, so they look at estradiol and estrol. Estrol is one that they don't seem to be too concerned about. And, and personally, I haven't looked enough into it. They're, all, they're more so concerned with um, estradiol. And usually estradiol is always more elevated than estrol. Very rarely would you see estrol higher than estradiol. Estradiol is the main estrogen hormone. Again, uh, just looking to see where this is. Um, there's different reference ranges for it again. I'm actually going to pull up a 205, so I'm going to pause this again, and I'm sure I'll be back in one second, you guys won't even notice. So I just pulled one up here right now, so, <clears throat> just actually going back to that uh, DHEA, yeah. the lab range on the biohealth is 2 to 10, so usually in that kind of mid-range of 5 to 6, the actual cortisol sum reference range is 23 to 42, so usually in between that range, but again, you got to correlate these results to, to the person as well, you can't just look at the lab reference range, so keep that in mind. Uh, Estradiol, it depends on what time of the cycle you get at. So a lot of women come with very irregular cycles. So, you know, ideally you're meant to tell them to take it at mid-cycle because you want to get a look at both estrogen and progesterone. Um, so there's the there's a, follicular, a follicular phase range, which is the first half of the cycle. There's the mid-cycle and the luteal phase, which is the second half cycle. Then there's a range for post-menopausal and physiological range, which is people who are, um, who are just past menopause. Uh, then there's estrol. Uh, same with that. There's a there's a pre 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 menopause, post menopause, and a, and a physiological range. There's no uh, follicular mid or luteal, luteal cycle on it. Just a pre menopause, post menopause, and a physiological range. Um, you'll often see with men who have testosterone issues, they they'll have some elevated uh, estrogens. That's of course that more than likely they have inflammation going on in their body. They have too much aromatase going on. That aromatase then converts their testosterone into estrogen. They're the guys that kind of get the the man boobs. And um, progesterone then is the next one. Um, this is also uh, both for males and females. So with the females, there's again there's a premenopausal, postmenopausal physiological range, and then with the males, there's also a range for them too. Then there's melatonin and testosterone. As I said, if melatonin is below, generally they say below 18 on the BioHealth lab results. If it's below this, uh, they, they, it's usually indicative of a good issue. And then the testosterone, you know, this will tell us whether a male is underproducing uh, his testosterone and it'll also tell us whether a female is under or overproducing testosterone as well. You'll often see with your PCOS females that they have very high testosterone. You'll often see with a lot of your males that they're very low in testosterone um, with, with males presenting with, with sort of health issues. But so that 205 um, adrenal stress profile, again, looks at those four hormones, cortisol, DHA, it looks at the uh, total cortisol sum it looks at four different cortisol readings it looks at the cortisol dhea ratio and it looks at two estrogens estradiol estrol progesterone melatonin and testosterone so it's a very comprehensive test i think it's 176 176 dollars um to get the test done and then obviously that's only a lab fee you also have to pay your practitioner their fee for the interpretations 
So the next test then, the other flagship test would be the uh, the uh, 101 metabolic uh, profile, metabolic um, profile assessment or metabolic assessment profile. Uh, this looks at protein metabolism, what's called uh, indican, a urinary indican. This is this is a urine test. Now the the 205 is a saliva test. It's all saliva. You just spit into four tubes and you get the results for those seven different hormones and get those eleven hormone readings. But the metabolic uh, assessment profile, the 101 metabolic assessment, is um, a urine test. So you'll just pee into a tube or is a tube or two, and you'll just send that off to the lab. And basically they're going to look at your protein metabolism because it's very important you're breaking down protein for a number of reasons uh, obviously to repair basic muscle tissues but even more important to be pre precursors to the neurotransmitters in your brain so you'll often see people who've got like uh, mental health issues and people who are very just emotionally unstable are usually protein deficient to some degree again because they have either low stomach acid levels if you've lost stomach acid levels then you have you'll have a poor supply of digestive enzymes from the pancreas and then more than likely you're going to have issues going on inside your intestinal your intestinal wall probably have leaky gut and bacterial issues as well and all this and whatnot and uh, also an imbalance between good and back good and bad bacteria in the colon and all this sort of stuff um, it also looks at urinary lipid peroxides basically your oxidative stress seeing how much oxidative stress is going on at a cellular level obviously we know that excessive oxidative stress is is not a good thing it increases aging uh, and if you're getting older it means your risk of uh, getting chronic degenerative disease is a lot greater um, so this is why we often hear antioxidants are so good now there is a balance to that too that there is a lot of things saying that over consumption or too much antioxidants can actually get rid of some beneficial free radicals that actually can get rid of some mutated mitochondria so again it's about a balance there but generally this urinary lipid peroxides is just looking at oxidative stress uh, with the reference range here um, it says 1 to 7.5 uh, but in our training with FDN they say anything over 5.5 you see anything over that there's generally something going on there there's usually too much oxidative stress just going back with the the urinary indican you want to tell your clients the day before to eat a lot of protein to challenge that protein metabolism and it will just come out as a, as a negative um, or a positive result essentially and so but in FDN they would even say even if it comes out negative that's that doesn't mean anything that doesn't mean that they actually have good protein metabolism it just it just came out negative so like they would still generally treat most people with some sort of hydrochloric acid and digestive enzymes unless H. pylori was detected if H. pylori is detected you don't want to take uh, hydrochloric acid initially until that's gotten rid of the last test then on the 101 metabolic assessment is a urinary bile acid sulfates uh, UBAS for short essentially this is looking at do you have a stuffed up liver? Is your liver uh, toxic? Is is your is your liver just does your liver need to be cleared out? And um, we know that the liver is absolutely essential. Hence why the word "live" is <laughs> makes up the, the first four letters of it. You couldn't live without your liver. Uh, it does some amazing things. You know, nearly everything you eat goes through your liver and it gets metabolized there. Um, and again, the the lab reference range here for males on this one is one to eight, and females one to twelve. But again, FDN tells us anything over five point five is generally um, indicative that there is uh, toxicity issues with regards to the liver. So that is the 101. The next test then is the uh, 304. I'll just let one come up here on my screen. 304 intestinal barrier function screen. And this, this is a saliva one like the 205. So you'll just spit into one tube. And this is gonna look at your aerobic and anaerobic bacteria. Your dietary your reaction to dietary proteins. This is basically uh, so your your sorry your immune response to dietary proteins, your immune response to yeast, and then also it gives you a snapshot of your uh, secretory IgA levels. Your secretory IgA are essentially 
the first line of defense right in behind your gut wall okay they're the the first platoon that go into war um, and if that thing starts to 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 uh, head south as in it starts to be very low on the reference range that is not a good sign if that thing actually starts going into single figures like 10 and below that's when you actually need to like refer someone out to a medical doctor or a physician um, but again there's lab reference ranges here for aerobic to anaerobic bacteria and of course for dietary proteins in yeast so you have a low uh, you've got equivocal and elevated so if someone if someone was elevated it's kind of like the what I just said with the two with the ad adrenal stress profile if it's elevated right it tells us right you are having an immune response which isn't great but at least your immune system is strong enough to amount a response so that's a good thing uh, if you saw everyone uh, if you saw all these in low like they had low immune reactions with regards to anaerobic aerobic bacteria dietary proteins and yeast you'd be thinking oh your immune system's actually shutting down this is not good we we need to get you some help asap um, that's not to say with someone who's elevated we're not trying to get them help asap but it's just that when they start crashing and going south going low that person needs help even even all the you know it's even more important that person gets help as quick as possible um, so again it looks at aerobic anaerobic bacteria dietary proteins so if that's elevated or in any way just looks funky we're definitely thinking that there's a leaky gut involved because it means your immune system is reacting to some dietary proteins we, we know that the most common things the body reacts to are gluten soy eggs dairy and uh, corn is the other one yeast then you might have some yeast overgrowth uh, again there could be some yeast going on in there for a number of reasons and then as I said the last thing it looks at is that secretory IgA um, oftentimes too like you, you could get someone who has high immune reactions to the aerobic anaerobic bacteria dietary proteins and yeast but the secretory IgA could be fatiguing you could have someone who has a, a low reaction to the first four aerobic anaerobic bacteria dietary proteins and yeast and a high secretory IgA or all of it could be low all of it could be high again you have to correlate these to the person's results but you definitely don't want to see someone whose immune system is shutting down. At least if it is all elevated, at least it's shown that this person has enough strength left in that immune system to respond to these things. We still don't want that, but it's better than having someone crashing down. But that's the intestinal barrier uh, function screen. Essentially just looking to see if you have a leaky gut. What's going on with regards to the good and bad bacteria in the gut? Uh, are you reacting to any dietary proteins? That's indicative that you have some food intolerances and sensitivities, that some fu full food particles... Uh, full protein particles are getting into circulation which is not good that amounts an immune response and do you have any yeast infections and how is that secretory IgA doing in your gut and this is why it's so important to have a healthy gut this is why a lot of people say all disease starts in the gut like Hippocrates said because your immune system your immediate immune system that secretory IgA is right in your gut wall and if that thing starts to crash you know uh, you know it's, it's it's not a good place to be in you know you're, you're if that gets very very chronic or gets in a very very poor state the likelihood of you getting a chronic degenerative disease or st or getting the beginnings of a chronic degenerative disease is uh, is um, very very elevated it's very very plausible that you will get some sort of chronic degenerative disease so it's very important to look after that good health so that's a very good test um, I think the uh, I think this test is $250 I think the 101 I didn't mention the 205 says 176 I think the 101 is $132 I might have to check that out again they're just they're just the fees you pay to the lab you also have to pay your practitioner the fees um, and then the last flagship test that they go on is the uh, 41H GI pathogen screen with H pylori antigen screen um, essentially this is uh, this is one where you're going to need a medical director um, agreement with some sort of doctor and lucky enough FDN have set one up so this is where you take four stool samples uh, in a row now so I don't mean like 
you take one stool sample and cut off four pieces. You, you know, you go. So if you go to the, if you if you if you have a bowel movement, uh, generally once a day, which you really should have, you just you take uh, you take a sample from that bowel movement. So let's say you start Monday, you have a bowel movement Monday, that's your first sample. You have a bowel movement Tuesday, that's your next sample, your second sample. A bowel movement Wednesday, that's your third sample, and finally bowel movement on. on uh, on a, sorry, so you've bowel movement Monday, that's your first sample, bowel movement on Tuesday, second sample, bowel movement on Wednesday, third sample, bowel movement on Thursday, that's your fourth and final sample. And essentially, this is a very, very good test. They look for, um, they look at a stool culture to see if there is uh, any sort of overgrowth of bacteria on your stool. Um, they also look at ova and parasites to see if there's any parasites dictated in your stool. They look at uh, other stool antigens, things like uh, ehistolytica antigen, giardia, uh, Christosporidium, um, you know, antigens like that. They'll also look at um, do you have a fungal a fungal infection, uh, any sort of yeast infection, uh, any uh, occlude blood in your stool, and they'll also look to see if you have H. pylori. Uh, H. pylori is a nasty little bugger to get. Um, it can really cause a lot of health issues so that's a fantastic uh, test that's a f that's a little more expensive now than the uh the first two the the 205 and the 101 but it's, it's roughly about the same price as the 304 it's about 255 dollars the two the 304 i think is 250 dollars 101 instead i think is, i'm fairly sure it's 132 and the uh 205 is 176 i don't have the prices here in front of me that's generally what they are I think you know if you look around any of your labs, that's that's pretty for for what you get. That's that's as good as you're going to get in regards to pricing. To some people, that's a lot. To other people, they think that's nothing. It depends on where the person's coming from. You can get some people who spend thousands on doctors, and then you tell them this, and they're like, "Oh, that's actually pretty cheap from what I've spent before." And other people, maybe it's their first time, are like, "Oh, that's a lot of money." You know, it depends on where the person's at. But they're generally the four tests that are used with the functional diagnostic nutrition course. Of course, there are other other tests you can use. Um, yeah, they have some for um, they have a thyroid panel you can use they have a blood chemistry you can use they also have ones for uh, gluten sensitivity um, and they also have food sensitivities and intolerances so they have a few other tests but they would be their four uh, their four flagship tests as I say so uh, I definitely think if, you, if you're someone who wants to get into functional medicine I would definitely recommend the, the FDN course. This isn't a sales pitch, guys. I'm just telling you what I learned through them. I originally started with... I, I signed up for it, I think, in October, November 2011, but I didn't really start till early 2012. It took me nine months to get through the program. Generally takes someone about six months. I guess I'm just a slow learner. Uh, I had Julie Herbal. Um, Julie has changed her name, though. She got married to that. But Julie was my mentor. A fantastic, lovely woman. Really, really helpful. Um, just a really great person to work with. Reed's a lovely guy. And uh, I think it's it's definitely worth the investment. And I think functional medicine is definitely something that I think every personal trainer and every strength coach should take some form of functional medicine just to give you a better appreciation of just the endocrinology of the body um, and just to just to broaden your horizons with your knowledge of human physiology. I really think it's important. It's definitely uh, definitely added to my skills as a coach, as a physical therapist, and obviously as a functional diagnostic nutritionist because of course this was the actual course I did for functional diagnostic nutrition but it's definitely broadened my skill set with regards to being a strength coach physical therapist and a nutritionist so I think that's it if I left anything out sure I can always just uh, make another podcast or slip it in um, my laptop. Uh, I think that's it that's the four tests so the 205 the 101 the 304 and the 41H 
and um, if you have any questions on any of that you can just contact me uh, through the Facebook or leave a comment here on the, the podcast website um, oh something I want to mention that I really should be mentioning this is that for the strength coaches out there uh, if you've listened to this far hopefully you have that coach Michael Boyle is coming to do a one day seminar in Dublin Ireland on March 29th of this year 2014 he'll be doing it in uh, Martin Kennedy's National Athletic Development Academy NADA so a lot of people in Ireland know who, who Martin is and NADA they're, they're the they're the uh, strength and conditioning organisation behind the Dublin Senior Footballers and Dublin Under 21 Footballers Martin was involved with the, the Dubs All-Ireland Senior Football success last year and of course with their with their Leinster and, and league success so he was involved with the treble so Mike will be speaking there on March 29th from 10am to 6pm Um. And that is being, even though it's in NADA, it's being hosted by the Irish Sport Coaches Institute, which I'm delighted and honoured to say that I'm a part of, along with uh, seven other wonderful coaches, which Martin himself is also a part of. Um, so if it's something you're interested in, um, and you're someone who, who's a follower of Mike and would love to see Mike speak, I'd highly recommend it. It's €200 Euro for the day, uh, which to me is not expensive. Food will, will be provided for and uh, you know it's a chance to, 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 to see you know one of the most well known strength coaches in the world speak and, and uh, I think it's a great opportunity for people in the UK and Ireland and Europe maybe to, to, to see Mike who haven't seen him before so that's just something to bear in mind anyway that was just uh, something I, f- I should have mentioned really at the start hope you enjoyed today's podcast on functional medicine I probably left something out and I'll, like, I'll just hit stop and go damn I should have said that but I can just say it in the next podcast so hope that was good um, and that's it So take care guys, be well, and as I always say, stay strong.